This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Rain today, cloudy skies, high near 50. Tonight, cloudy with a chance of showers with a low around 36. Thanksgiving Day Thursday, cloudy, then gradually becoming mostly sunny, high near 48. Millions of people are expected to hit airports and highways in record numbers over the Thanksgiving holiday. The busiest days to fly will be today, as well as the Sunday after Thanksgiving. The Transportation Security Administration expected to screen 2.6 million passengers yesterday and 2.7 million passengers today. Sunday will draw the largest crowds with an estimated 2.9 million passengers, which would nearly eclipse a record set on June 30th. Meanwhile, AAA forecasts that 55.4 million Americans will travel at least 50 miles from home, with roads likely to be the most clogged today. New York State police are participating in a special traffic enforcement initiative to crack down on unsafe driving behaviors during the Thanksgiving holiday. The special traffic enforcement period runs today through Sunday. The state police will supplement regular patrols statewide, including fixed sobriety checkpoints, which targets distracted drivers by utilizing concealed identity traffic enforcement patrol vehicles to better locate drivers talking or texting on handheld devices. These unmarked vehicles blend in with everyday traffic, but are unmistakable as emergency vehicles once the emergency lighting is activated. If you drive drunk or drugged, uh, you not only put your life and the lives of others at risk, you could face arrest, jail time, and substantial fines and attorney fees. The average drinking and driving arrest cost up to $10,000. Arrested drunk and drugged drivers face the loss of their driver's license, higher insurance rates, and dozens of unanticip- unanticipated expenses from attorney's fees, fines, court costs, car towing, and repairs, and lost time at work. Some people who live near a proposed Binghamton cannabis store are raising questions about the planned business that would feature a pickup window. The City Planning Commission is considering a special use permit for the shop planned at 439 Court Street. The building at the site has been vacant since an A&W restaurant closed in February of 2018. AOW Construction of Albany is seeking permission to make renovations to prepare the place for a future cannabis retail outlet. It's not known who would be granted a state license to operate the store on the city's east side. Peter Stewart, a principal at Horace Mann Elementary School on the Binghamton's west side, told members of the planning commission he was not happy at all when he learned of the proposed cannabis business. Stewart said there are already three operating cannabis stores in Broome County. He said a drive through cannabis shop is not right for the east side of Binghamton. He noticed that, noted that the shop would be located within sight of Calvin Coolidge Elementary School. The commission delayed action on the proposed shop until some additional information was provided about how it would operate. A vote on the plan is expected at the commission's December 5th meeting. Work is underway on a Tauga County project that's been under discussion for several years. A 15,000-square-foot community center is being built on a site in the village of Owego between North Avenue and Central Avenue. 
It's located near a facility that is now home to Tioga County Rural Ministry. The Rural Ministry Agency will use the new neighborhood depot along with Racker, Catholic Charities, and Tioga United Way. Bob Brazil of Racker said the project started as kind of a dream for nonprofits to come together and share services in a centralized location. Brazil said the Oigo site is designed to provide village residents with easier access to services. During recent major flooding events in Tioga County, emergency services and supplies were not located close to many of those in need. The new facility will serve as an emergency response center in the future. The complex will include a large conference room that could house up to 150 people if needed. The site will also have showers, a large kitchen, and an industrial-sized emergency generator. The New York State Department of Transportation has launched the Dot Pod. It's a podcast produced by the New York State Department of Transportation that notes it is to share the human story of the department, its people, and the work that is done to help keep New Yorkers safe. According to the New York State Department of Transportation website, the podcast will tell firsthand stories of the people who help design, build, and maintain New York State's transportation network, including building bridges, paving roads, and clearing snow. The podcast also explores how the New York State Department of Transportation crews get it all done. The first episode of the Dot Pod is up on the website, the New York State Department of Transportation website, and also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. Bob Joseph, this is Binghamton now. The biggest edition of the year, stuffed with amazing content. Thanksgiving Eve, and we are thankful for you for listening to Binghamton now on WNBF throughout the year. Without you, the program would not be possible. 607-772-1290. If you're thankful, feel free to call in. If you have an attitude of gratitude, you can share that with other Binghamton Now listeners on our program between now and noon. We are stuffing it with some Surprises, so if you enjoy live radio as much as I do, I think you'll appreciate some of the work we've put into the broadcast. It will be a good program. It will be. And thank you so much for being with us, WNBF. Let's start off with a local issue. Rip from the headlines, Binghamton residents. Concerned about drive-through cannabis shop? Are you uh, in favor of the new cannabis store in Binghamton with a convenient pickup window? 
so you can get your weed as fast as possible. Somebody at a planning commission meeting made some kind of a comment. And I'll have to paraphrase. I don't have a direct quote. I don't have the transcript from the planning commission meeting, but, but something like, oh, so you can go across the street and get your kids a happy meal and then stop by t- to the drive through cannabis shop to get your weed. It's almost too good to be true, I suppose, for some parents. On the other hand, some people are not supportive of the convenience of a pot pickup window. This is a state of New York production, by the way. This, we don't even know who will run the cannabis shop. Could be anybody. Could be you. Could be me. I mean, if it's you, it's probably going to be properly run. If it's run by someone else, who knows? In fairness, of course, there are New York State restrictions on how these cannabis shops can operate. Some very tightly controlled. So some will say, well, it's better probably to have the wacky weed world shop there than an A&W root beer stand, which used to be there. I remember when we first covered the story about the A&W restaurant opening at 439 Court Street, people were excited. Some people, not necessarily the neighbors, because think about this. If you live right next door to a fast food restaurant, life is going to change. If there hadn't been a fast food restaurant with a drive through window just a few feet from your bedroom, you know, you probably enjoyed that. So, anyway... What do you think? Wacky weed world with a drive through window. A pot pickup location, which probably will be approved, I guess, on December 5th by the Planning Commission. So this could be the most convenient weed shop in New York State. It's 914. Let's take calls from grateful viewers. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Johan Vandicat. Good morning, Johan. How are you? Oh, you know, dealing with what I got to do. Um, our portion of Endicat is still without power. Is uh, it? Yeah. I, I just yeah. drove through there. It looked... Wait a second. Small Did I just block. drive through? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize you were without power. I know uh, I did do a spot check. NYSEG was reporting, I think, at least a few thousand Customers in Broome County were without power as of about an hour ago. So, yeah. Well, my block, um, which includes Dunkin' Donuts and also UE High School, UHS facility there as well, are all with flickering lights. NYSEG has zero information about it, which, uh, if you look at their website, it just is, uh, they're assessing. So, yeah, that's always good. All right. Well, I will say I drove by there. I would say one hour ago, because I saw there was a giant truck. I remember back in the day at that donut shop near your place, they used to actually, I think, make donuts themselves, but now they're trucked in from Donut Central. <laughs> and so there's yeah. this giant tractor trailer there. I'm thinking, yeah. oh, that's a clever name for a, a donut business. It's it's almost like they're ashamed of donuts. They got don- rid, rid of donuts as part of their name. And it's, it's like, Duncan. yeah, it's like Duncan what? You know, I mean, 
mean, fortunately, most of us know the context. But anyway, so, yeah, I was looking around. Now, fortunately, of course, today is not a school day, so people were zipping through instead of at 20 miles an hour through the school right. zone on East Main Street. They were zipping through at, I think, around 119. I was going to say, it's just shy of 119 when <laughs> traffic was flowing. And, you know, but, you know, I'm I'm not going to be a judge or a district Ooh. attorney or a cable host. So. Hey, another another issue, not an issue, another subject. I attended the Town of Maine board meeting last night uh, about the uh, proposed project that a lot of people are concerned about. Um a representative was there from the company. I I didn't make it there quite on time, so I didn't hear the introduction and stuff. But uh, some great questions were proposed by the board, and I was disappointed in the uh, the spin that was put forth by the representative. I mean, she did as best as she could to protect and represent their interests uh, while not answering the questions <laughs> from the board. And at one time the supervisor had to drop the gavel a number of times to quiet the crowd down. So it was kind of a lively place to be in. Oh, sounds like a zesty session. If I had known, yeah. I might have gone. Yeah, I saw one uh, news organization there um, uh, with a camera. So I don't know if they reported on it last night or maybe they're going to show the footage today. But uh, a lot of, I wouldn't call it heated, but a lot of... Um, just disappointment in the room about the clarity and the transparency about uh, things such as eminent domain, if it would be um, employed. Um, the IDA, of course, uh, was was uh, brought up. So, like I said, I wasn't there for everything, but I was there for enough to know how the meeting went. All right. It looks like I'm uh, viewing the video that led the 10 o'clock newscast at Fox 40. So they were the ones. Yeah, that was the cameraman yeah. that was there. And I see, I'm not listening to the audio. Let me just pot this up for a sec here. Yeah. Transparent with the board and residents of Maine, which has contributed to the concerns that have already been brought up, such as traffic and pollution if the park is built. Now this is a clip. This is from WICZ.com. It led the uh, 10 o'clock news and there's just another 25 seconds or so. May as well listen. Looks like it was not a package, just a, a reader that they led with. So let's listen to the rest of the Fox 40 report from last night. I've talked to uh, residents on East Main Road, and uh, every person I talk to on East Main Road doesn't want to see that uh, built. So that was Council Member Ernest Palmer. And now yep. for the final few seconds of the report. It's not fair to these people, it's not fair to this town, and it's not fair to the taxpayers of Broome County the way you guys have handled this specifically with the town of Maine. I don't care about the town of you. I'm talking about the town of Maine because these are my people. All right. And that was another council member. Um, so, yes, thank you. That was Art Robinson, the other town board member. Uh suggesting the yeah, IDA the, has not been fully transparent, which adds yep. irritation to the community. And the representative declined the invitation to stay for public commentary and questioning. Uh, so once she was done, uh, her and a couple of other people that were with her exited the premise. Mm -hmm. 
So that was Stacy Duncan, the uh, executive director of the agency, which includes the IDA. And she's yeah. been on the program several times in the past. And I'm sure at some point, it's not going to be right away, but perhaps at some point in December, if I invite her, she'll come back on. We'll see. Actually, uh, yeah. Bob, your name was invoked. Uh, they said you've been on the news. You've been interviewed by Bob Joseph and other people. How come you can't be transparent and talk to us? <laughs> yeah, well, um, I'm glad people noticed that she had been on the program. I am surprised that she didn't stay. I mean, maybe there, maybe there is a good reason why she didn't stay uh, to field some questions. Maybe, and I, well, I don't want to speak for her. I'll just say perhaps, maybe it was even legal guidance. Um, Possibly. Yeah, yeah. I, because you don't know. This is complicated in the fact that it could ultimately lead to eminent domain actions. Perhaps there's a guidance. Let's face it. I think most attorneys always advise their clients to err on the side of caution. If litigation seems likely at some point down the road, uh, probably say less it, if anything is going to be really put out that could ultimately come up in any kind of future litigation, probably put it in writing and make sure it's been vetted by by your legal advisors. But that's just a guess. And and maybe yeah. because of the sensitivity of the, of the issue, maybe she uh, would not accept our invitation to come on uh, now that the um, this proposal has reached this, this particular point. But Next week, I'll I'll plan to invite her and and see if she'd like to come on to talk about it. No, that'd be good. I would look forward to it. Well, thank you. All right, that's all I got, Bob. Okay, Johan. Uh, by the way, you're right. A nice egg uh, on the website still says about the Endicott outages. Still assessing, although it's interesting, uh, most of the outages, oddly enough, are on Grant Avenue. Uh, Oddly yeah, enough, <laughs> as, yeah, as luck would have it, and and only two great. Yeah. are East, East Main Street. It's total, uh, according to their list, a total of 40 in the village of Endicott. And let's see, at the moment, across Broome County, it's 3,900. So they're yeah. actually are, are pockets of the towns of Union and Vestal and Maine, as well as, oh, village of Johnson City, 261. Uh, Fenton, 316. Even in Binghamton, the city of Binghamton, 319. So we have quite a few listeners, I'm sure, who are without power. Hopefully they have their convenient battery-powered radio, or maybe they're listening on the app. Johan, have a happy Thanksgiving. I appreciate it. You as well, and to the rest of the, your listeners. Have a good one. Thanks. It's 923 WNBF. We're here for you actual people actually doing work. I know it's it's so so odd in America today that people are actually out doing work. I know some people are saying stop working. You're giving us a, a bad name. The slackers and the people well we don't really like working much anymore. That's working is so twentieth century. I know. Can't help myself. <sighs> Product of public schools and 
Good Parenting, 924. This is Bob Joseph. Our number is 607-772-1290. We're live on your Wednesday morning. News Radio, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, WNBF.com. that, I just stopped by. Before I drove down East Main Street, first I drove down Nanticoke Avenue, and I'm told the pie count continues to dwindle. They started out with 900 pies. Of course, they have lots of pies that were pre-ordered, so they've got a bunch that people pick up if they pre-ordered pies. But I just found out, oh, when I was there at approximately 8.05, that uh, I think they're down to maybe 200, 220. And there's a line of people, people hungry for pies and donuts and cider. Oh, my. Anyway. Just a bit of advice for the pie-loving public. WNBF will be there. We are here for you. Oh, I just checked the uh, the weather. Well, not just the weather, but the uh, air quality index. Wow. It's uh, another crisp, clean air day. 22 is the AQI, air quality index. So go out and breathe. Enjoy relatively untainted air. Here's the forecast for holiday lovers everywhere from the National Weather Service. Cloudy today, a chance of rain this morning, then some showers this afternoon. High 50, cloudy tonight with a chance of showers, low 36. Tomorrow, Thanksgiving Day, cloudy to begin with, then gradually becoming mostly sunny, high 48. Friday, mostly cloudy, high 39. Right now it's 44. It's 7 Celsius at News Radio WNBF, WNBF.com. An overview of outages now from New York State's Electric and Gas and Avon Grid Company. So, and this is information fresh. Fresh information from the NYSEG website. So you can't get it much fresher. Total outages in New York State. Oh, this is a surprise. The number of outages now has jumped to 7,100. So there you go. 
Uh, some of the biggest problem spots, actually, of all of NYSEG's territory in upstate New York, Broome County has the dubious distinction of having the most customers without power at the moment, about 3,900, um, including more than 300 in the city of Binghamton, 50 in the town of Barker, or rather 168 in the town of Barker, uh, 50 in the town of Binghamton, 644 in the town of Shenango, 50 or so in the town of Colesville, 346 in the town of Conklin, oh, 441 in the town of Dickinson, 40 in the village of Endicott, 316 in the town of Fenton, 261 in the village of Johnson City, 312 in the town of Kirkwood, 369 in the town of Maine, 164 in the town of Union, 383 in the town of Vestal, and 1 in the town of Windsor. So that is the situation in Broome County in Tioga County. Uh, 630 customers are without power. Uh, biggest problem spots now in Tioga County are in the town and village of Owego. About 500 customers without power. 77 in the town of Nichols. 20 in the town of Barton. So that's just an overview. If your power is out, you probably should call NYSEG just to let them know they probably know especially now with their smart meters they probably know if your power is out but a lot of customers in Shenango County are without power more than 1100 and also some in Otsego County 300 150 in Delaware County. So there's the overview. Power to the people. I'm sure the crews are working to get things moving forward. One other note, I uh, just stopped uh, by Otsonango Park. Uh, work crews are now taking care of uh, that tree. <laughs> so it's not there's uh, an unseen report damage. as if you watch the uh, Binghamton Now Twitter feed, you may have seen the report I filed from Otsenango Park where, uh, sadly, the uh, park is closed at the moment because workers are cleaning up storm damage. And if you want to see the full report from Otsenango Park in the town of Dickinson, you can check it out on Twitter at Binghamton Now. So that was posted about 30 minutes ago, as they say. Bob on the scene. Bob on the scene. Bots. So, essentially, the deal with Otsenango Park, the damage, I'm told, is not very extensive. Uh, I think the main thing is one tree was split. So, their workers... Uh, taking care of that tree and I'm told that as far as the holiday decorations the 
decorations were pretty much unscathed. There might have been one that sustained some damage based on what I was told. So, But for the most part, I don't think the uh, beautiful decorations were really affected by all that wind. Uh, Broome County Parks Department also advises not only is Otsenango Park and the town of Dickinson closed, but Round Top Picnic Area, Endicott, closed for storm damage cleanup. So I didn't realize about Round Top until I was already zipping out of Endicott. If I had known, I would have stopped up there to see. Hopefully, hopefully there's not too much, too much of a mess. I know just driving around the triple cities this morning, I did notice a lot of um, branches and limbs down. I didn't wind up in an area where any wires were down. I know there were some areas where the fire departments were called out and NYSEG sent crews out because of down power lines, but I didn't happen to encounter any of those areas. But I did see uh, some stuff. Heard part of a roof blew off and smashed onto someone's car in Binghamton, but Apparently nobody was hurt. It's 9.35, live and local, 607-772-1290. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now. It's 9.37, WNBF. Back to the phones, Sharon and Green. Good morning. You're on the air. Uh, yes, I was wondering, uh, we've tried several times out here. Our power is out, and there are more than five people because I live just outside the village, and they're saying five, just five people, and us and our neighbors, and a road maybe two, three miles from us, all the people are out up there, and storm damage. But they're still saying it's five people. We have wondering when it's going to be restored. Huh. That's a good question. So you're in the town of Green? We're in we're in the town, not the village. We're actually feet from the village, but we're on Green Elect or we're not on Green Electric, we're on NYSEG. All right. Well NYSEG's website now says in the town of Green there are five hundred and ninety five customers without power. Okay, because they told us it was only five. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at the website right now, and yeah, on the website, NYSEG's website, it says 595 in the town of Green, and for almost all the roads, there is no estimate of restoration time. The only road where they now have posted a time when they think the power could be on that's King Road. And they say the power on King Road in the town of Green may be restored by 11.30 this morning. Okay, well, that's that's the that's news. I appreciate that. Yeah, so if if that's the um, guidance for that one road, hopefully uh, most of the other roads around the town of Green would be restored perhaps in the next few hours. So, um, okay. but yeah, they haven't. They haven't put out a news release yet to uh, give us any more specific information. 
Okay. Well, right. I appreciate I appreciate your information. We didn't get a whole lot when we talked to the electric company, so. Well, we're here for you. I'll do my best to try to keep you informed between now and noon. Are you able to hear the radio? Yes, I had to go buy some batteries, but. All right. Well, it shows you that having having some batteries around can be very helpful when when you lose power, even if it doesn't happen too often. I'm um, I'm glad we were able to uh, bring you up to speed, and I hope your power is back on very soon. I hope so, too. Thank you very much for your help. You're welcome. It's 940 at WNBF, wnbf.com. I know someone, a friend whose power, based on NYSEG's website, the power was out. And I saw that this morning. I thought, oh, I know what I should do. I should call to ask my friend what it's like to have the power out on the Wednesday morning before Thanksgiving. And then I thought, well, maybe maybe my friend is sleeping and maybe my friend doesn't really know or care at the moment that the power is out, so I opted not to call. But it was so tempting because so I was looking at the list of streets around Binghamton and I said, oh, I bet the power is out there. I would, I would like to get an eyewitness account for my for my news then I thought wait it's it's early <laughs> it's early it would be rude for me to call and then wake someone up kind of selfish just to wake someone up for the sake of getting news information that's that's not nice well I mean, if it was a huge story, trust me, if it was a really, really, really big story, I would, even at three in the morning, I, I'm sorry, I would, I would call you, say, if some, something big was happening in your neighborhood, I, I will admit, I probably would call you and apologize. Well, I know it's three, oh, three in the morning, so you probably, we're sleeping, but there's something big in your neighborhood, so will you answer a few questions? I'm really sorry. It's 9.42, Bob Joseph at the controls. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? It's Beverly, the town of Dickinson. Well, how's your power? Did they, did they restore your power? Yeah, you want to hear something funny? Yeah. All the lights were out in the house but the TV. How do you figure that out? Because you have one of those magic TVs. I don't know. That was <laughs> funny. That's weird. I'm like, what? Maybe your TV has backup power. I don't know. It's a, it's one of those uh, Roku TVs. I don't know. But all the lights were out in the house about the TV. Well, that is the darndest thing. So are, are the lights still out, or did, did the lights come no, back on? I think the lights were out about a half hour. All right. Well, I know they've been busy getting the power back on. I, yeah. I know they have a lot of crews, so they knew. I would say this. The good thing is the forecast yesterday mentioned there were going to be strong winds, so NYSEG probably did have crews on standby ready to respond when power went out. I, I guess I guess it's probably fortunate that it's it's not worse than it could have been. I mean, it's bad enough. I mean, if you're... The way I look at it, 
when my power is out, I don't care if it's out to 10 people or 10 billion people. I'm only concerned about my power. And I know it sounds selfish, but, you know, that's I think that's human nature. It's like then my power comes back on and. Yes, but the rest of the planet has no power, and the power for the rest of the planet is not likely to be restored for the next five to ten years. And I'm like, I'm good. My power's on. You know, I'm gonna, <laughs> gonna make some popcorn. Yeah, well, it's, it's supposed to be nice tomorrow too. Yeah, it's gonna be fantastic. Yeah. It's uh, one thing I didn't like last night is. Is it was rainy? Did you did you go out at all last night? I went out last no. night and oh, it was rainy and it was it it was blustery, and I'm thinking, you know, this is just the sign of things to come. I was thinking, you know, it's going to be what at least six months, eight months till summer. I can't wait that long. It seems like an eternity. Have you ever noticed that spring and summer fly right by, but winter seems to drag on forever. Yeah. When are we supposed to get those new meters? Oh, the smart meters? Yeah. Well, the installation is, is ongoing. It's a massive undertaking. So contractors are installing the smart meters for NYSEG. And I don't know, I don't know how long it's going to take for the entire project to be completed, but it's, it's, uh, it's, certainly going to be several more months so some people have their smart meters and many others are are waiting for the big day are we supposed to save on electric with them (laughs) 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 sorry i i I know that was not an intentional joke but do you think (laughs) I mean, in your wildest dreams, do you think they would install a smart meter if it was going to save you money? <laughs> who knows? Well, no. I, I mean, it's right. Who knows? I mean, maybe it will save you money, but it's still your question uh, made me laugh uproariously. I'm sorry because, I mean, I'm waiting. I'll, I'll keep track. When I get my smart meter, I'll keep track, and then I can I can determine how much money I actually save. My guess is, and this is strictly a guess, but the way the rates are going, my guess is my NYSEG bill next year with my smart meter is going to be higher than it was this year with a dumb meter. So... You know, point point of fact. Now, I know the rates have nothing to do with the intelligence of your meter. I mean, you could have an Albert Einstein deluxe model smart meter, and you're still going to be paying higher rates because it's going to cost more. Power costs more because it's going to be higher quality power. Yeah, I see where... Uh Spectrum's raising their rates again. Cause they just raised them. I raised them three times in a year. What do they think? Uh, people are Rockefellers? No, because if you're a Rockefeller, you would give them the finger. Uh-oh. Well, you remember Governor Rockefeller? That's what you yeah, meant, I remember, right? I remember no, that. No, we would never stoop that low. We're, we are dignified, unlike Nelson Rockefeller, who sadly had to extend his middle finger to those young 
young students from SUNY Binghamton when he was at Broome yeah, County Airport. What a that. terrible, terrible scene. And the thing is, he, he set a bad example for for young people, actually not just for young people, he set a really poor example for people around the world. Fortunately, we never wound up with a president who had behavioral problems. No. Thankfully. So anyway, well, I appreciate your checking in. That, that thing with well, the... you guys have a good holiday. All I'm right. Gonna try, I'm going to try and have a good holiday. I'm, I'm staying home. Of course, everybody will be in and out here. So. All right. Well, have fun. Yep. You too. Yep. Happy Thanksgiving. Ho, ho, ho. 948 with Thanksgiving Bob. 607-772-1290. The real person. The real person who actually will take your call. Morning, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Airport Road Bob. Hey. Hey, it sounds like that was one heck of a party they threw last night at the uh, town board meeting. We got a, a brief overview a synopsis from Johan when he called earlier this hour and I played the um the story from Fox forty last night. So what what was your impression? So yeah starting to believe that um I got a real story going here. I've never disbelieved it. Of course it's okay, a real well, story. It's a it's a sad tale, in my opinion. A sad is, tale it where it's the story of the powerful versus just plain people. plain people. Yeah, just plain folks going up against the powerful. Well, if you saw the Fox 40, I have not seen the Fox 40 yet because I, I still have no power. It went out at 1.30 in the morning. So um, I'm told it's very good. My phone's been blowing up all morning. Um, yeah, it was a good report. I, I'm glad they covered it. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be more coverage in the future. Um, I just wanted to let you know that it was a great meeting. People showed up. We had a standing room only. Um, dozens of emails to all the board members. Um, and as it was told last night by the board members, they have not talked to anybody in the town of Maine that wants this project. Um, they told Stacy basically, um, you should have come to us a long time ago before you even spent any money on this project. Um, They've spent four hundred grand supposedly on this project now, and still there is no paperwork anywhere. Stacy admitted last night that they're doing all of this off of a topographical map. Okay, I find that so hard to believe that they're spending millions of dollars for a project and they're trying to do it off a topographical map. Um. The eminent domain people were all there. Uh, some of them voiced their um, displeasure. Um, the board members actually gave Miss uh, Duncan a hard time because they felt it was a threatening letter that um, they don't have any idea what they're going to do, have, haven't presented any information on what they're going to build, and yet they're sending threatening letters to property owners. Um, it's it is a sad thing, Bob. It's, it's like you said. It's big government trying to bully the people, and um, I'm hoping everybody hears this or everybody starts to get involved. The residents that did not show up, hey, just email the board members. Um, tell them your displeasure. Do it in the town of Maine. Do it in the town of Union, and 
get involved. I mean, otherwise, they're just going to go through with it if nobody stands up and speaks their mind. Do you have any questions on this whole thing? Oh, I have lots of questions, but limited time. All I would say um, at at some point, my intention, that's all I can say, my intention, I can't make a promise. My intention next week would be to uh, contact Stacey Duncan and see if she'll come back on the program to talk more about this. But having said that, whether or not she comes on the program, even if she comes on the program, she still may feel some real constraints about what she is able to say. As I mentioned to Johan earlier this hour, maybe, maybe, maybe she's being advised by attorneys to be very, very careful about what you say publicly because of the possibility, if it does go as far as eminent domain, that some of the the things that are said by her or other representatives of the agency could could be problematic. So I respect that. By the way, I know I know sometimes people think, "Gee, Bob, you're you're the guy always with a few questions, and you you don't like it when people don't answer the question or don't respond fully or whatever." Well, no, it's not a question of whether I like it. I respect that they're are a lot of factors involved for any situation. So if if she, either because of advice from counsel or even in using her best judgment, if she has to, um, say, limit her comments at this point, you know, I respect that. And, and hopefully, though, at the appropriate point, even if it's not in December, but maybe at some point she'll be in a position to say more say, on this program and also to the people in the towns of Maine and Union. So, I I, I mean, I know, I know, I mean, she definitely, I'm not saying she listens to the program, but she definitely find she is aware of comments that you and other people have made on the program, even if she's not, I'm sure she doesn't have time to sit around listening to the program, but, but she is aware that about the concerns that you and others are expressing, both your neighbors in the town of Maine and also people nearby in the town of Union. So, I forgot to tell you, on uh, last Thursday night, I got contacted by the Sierra Club. And I actually had three people from the Sierra Club come, and I took them and showed them all of the properties and, and everything that's being considered. And they're actually starting to poke their nose into this because um, they don't believe this has been a transparent um, project from the very beginning. And after seeing the properties, they don't believe that there's any kind of reality in putting a corporate park up there. Well, actually you know, who who from the Sierra Club? Where are the, the I mean, where are they based? Um, the person who responded, you know. Yeah, he's the head of the, the Susquehanna chapter. Oh, okay. you know, we have we have Binghamton people, and we don't have a Binghamton chapter, but we have right. people in Binghamton that are part of the, the Sierra Club. Baldy, yeah. Baldy um, um, was his first name. Okay, I, his last name is um, one. I can't even pronounce it. It's, right, uh, but they were they spent two and a half hours on Friday afternoon 
checking all of this out. All right. Well, I may get in touch with him at some point to, you know, get get a sense of the uh, Sierra Club's perspective. I'll drop you your, his email and yeah, send, send uh, email the, his contact information, and I'll I'll try to get in touch with him because the the main thing with this story or or all stories, I'm trying to always speak with as many people as possible to give a fair fair impression of issues, both say in this case residents, uh, also the IDA. Uh, I know we talk about it quite often, maybe not every time that the county executive is on and, and often when he refers to or talks about this this particular land purchase and, and the potential for new development not far from the airport many times he points out, well, it's it's essentially in the hands of the IDA but... Correct. Yeah, so ultimately they they will make the decisions but it's still... I think it's it's worthwhile getting input from, uh, say, the officials of the towns. Now, we've talked a bit about it with the Town of Union supervisor on the air, but I, I haven't spoken with his counterpart in the Town of Maine. But they're always welcome to call in. They That's the one good thing about this program. It's open to everybody. You know, we have the biggest tent on the planet. Nobody else... I'm serious. Nobody else on the planet, whether it's a radio show or any organization, is going to allow everybody on the planet to participate. I mean, it's it's a tent so big, it scares the phone company. They're worried that at some point that somebody will coordinate something on social media and get nearly 8 billion people try to call in at the same time and just bust the global phone network. Well, you are a blessing. You're, you're, <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know about that, but I, I'm, I am trying to serve our community. Bob, thank you for the update. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. You too, Bob. I appreciate your time and allowing me to vent on the radio. Thanks. Yeah, we're glad to hear from everybody. Everybody. Including you. Here at WNBF. The program's called Binghamton Now, but we talk about almost anything within reason. It's Wednesday morning, Thanksgiving Eve, with Bob Joseph at News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM and 1290 AM. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton, now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Rain today, cloudy skies, high near 50. Tonight, cloudy with a chance of showers with a low around 36. Thanksgiving Day Thursday, cloudy, then gradually becoming mostly sunny, high near 48. Millions of people are expected to hit airports and highways in record numbers over the Thanksgiving holiday. The busiest days to fly will be today, as well as the Sunday after Thanksgiving. The Transportation Security Administration expected to screen 2.6 million passengers yesterday and 2.7 million passengers today. Sunday will draw the largest crowds with an estimated 2.9 million passengers, which would nearly eclipse a record set on June 30th. 
Meanwhile, AAA forecasts that 55.4 million Americans will travel at least 50 miles from home, with roads likely to be the most clogged today. New York State police are participating in a special traffic enforcement initiative to crack down on unsafe driving behaviors during the Thanksgiving holiday. The special traffic enforcement period runs today through Sunday. The state police will supplement regular patrols statewide, including fixed sobriety checkpoints, which targets distracted drivers by utilizing concealed identity traffic enforcement patrol vehicles to better locate drivers talking or texting on handheld devices. These unmarked vehicles blend in with everyday traffic, but are unmistakable as emergency vehicles once the emergency lighting is activated. If you drive drunk or drugged, uh, you not only put your life and the lives of others at risk, you could face arrest, jail time, and substantial fines and attorney fees. The average drinking and driving arrest cost up to $10,000. Arrested drunk and drugged drivers face the loss of their driver's license, higher insurance rates, and dozens of unanticipated expenses from attorney's fees, fines, court costs, car towing, and repairs, and lost time at work. Some people who live near a proposed Binghamton cannabis store are raising questions about the planned business that would feature a pickup window. The City Planning Commission is considering a special use permit for the shop planned at 439 Court Street. The building at the site has been vacant since an A&W restaurant closed in February of 2018. AOW Construction of Albany is seeking permission to make renovations to prepare the place for a future cannabis retail outlet. It's not known who would be granted a state license to operate the store on the city's east side. Peter Stewart, a principal at Horace Mann Elementary School on the Binghamton's west side, told members of the planning commission he was not happy at all when he learned of the proposed cannabis business. Stewart said there are already three operating cannabis stores in Broome County. He said a drive through cannabis shop is not right for the east side of Binghamton. He noticed that, noted that the shop would be located within sight of Calvin Coolidge Elementary School. The commission delayed action on the proposed shop until some additional information was provided about how it would operate. A vote in the plan is expected at the commission's December 5th meeting. Work is underway on a Tauga County project that's been under discussion for several years. A 15,000-square-foot community center is being built on a site in the village of Owego between North Avenue and Central Avenue. It's located near a facility that is now home to Tioga County Rural Ministry. The Rural Ministry Agency will use the new neighborhood depot along with Racker, Catholic Charities, and Tioga United Way. Bob Brazil of Racker said the project started as kind of a dream for nonprofits to come together and share services in a centralized location. Brazil said the Owego site is designed to provide village residents with easier access to services. During recent major flooding events in Tioga County, emergency services and supplies were not located close to many of those in need. The new facility will serve as an emergency response center in the future. The complex will include a large conference room that could house up to 150 people if needed. The site will also have showers, a large kitchen, and an industrial-sized emergency generator. The New York State Department of Transportation has launched the DOT Pod. 
It's a podcast produced by the New York State Department of Transportation that notes uh, it is to share the human story of the department, its people, and the work that is done to help keep New Yorkers safe. According to the New York State Department of Transportation website, the podcast will tell firsthand stories of the people who help design, build, and maintain New York State's transportation network, including building bridges, paving roads, and clearing snow. The podcast also explores how the New York State Department of Transportation crews get it all done. The first episode of the Dot Pod is up on the website, the New York State Department of Transportation website, and also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now on a Wednesday morning on News Radio 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, WNBF.com. You can always stay connected using the free WNBF app. And now we turn our attention to baseball. Hot stove. Hot stove. Baseball. Nothing like it. And we are fortunate to have Dave Hamburg back in the studio. Dave was with us a few weeks ago, and we had so much fun talking about baseball that we thought we would do another baseball segment. And we also have a special guest who is joining us from Dallas, Texas. One of my good friends from the Binghamton Mets from years ago. Uh, and and I'm not going to age him, but um, uh, people will certainly remember uh, John Mahalik. And uh, John uh, was a slick fielding infielder uh, with the Binghamton Mets, 95, 96, 97. And uh, we got to know each other uh, uh, through um, uh, through my time with the Mets at uh, uh, as their stadium master of ceremonies. And John, welcome to the program. Good morning. Good morning. It's glad to be here. Hey, John. It, it seems like we just talked a little while ago, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, John? Going well. It's going well here in Dallas. But, uh, you know, when you asked me to uh, uh, come on and join you for this segment, I was, like, more than happy to. It's, uh, I missed my time in Binghamton and uh, such great experiences and uh, you know those Mets during that time had some good uh, good seasons, so it was fun. What uh, uh, what are some of your memories? Now uh, you last played in Binghamton in ninety seven, right? That's correct. Ninety seven. So yep. that was like a uh, hundred years ago. What are, <laughs> it seems like <laughs> you know, and and, uh, and and amazing that you're only like a hundred and two. Uh, Wait but, a second. Uh, Wait. Well, John Mahalik, you are 52, correct? That's correct. Okay, I was just checking. I just popped up uh, uh, the, the the entire John Mahalik story online, and I just wanted to verify I had the right John Mahalik. So, and, and you were born in Irving, Texas. 
That's true. Home of the Cowboys. There you go. My fa- my favorite team. Uh, I'm a Giants fan, John. So um, you, you know, and and you talk about the uh, uh, about the Dallas Cowboys, Bob. Um, John has a uh, a very interesting and special tie with the Dallas Cowboys, and 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 I, I wasn't actually ready to go there yet, but since it came up, John, uh, I'm I'm gonna let you tell the story. No, absolutely. I, my first season was '95, and you know I get to Binghamton. It was great. The fans were terrific, and and uh, you know got to meet a lot of people and sign autographs. But the problem was, I at the time I was dating the Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. And she came to town to visit me for a game, and uh, I think she got way more attention than I did. I, I thought I was a celebrity, and then she shows up, and she took all the uh, <laughs> spotlight away from me. So <laughs> that, was, that was an interesting time. <laughs> it's funny. It's too bad I didn't know about it. it. Must be I was on vacation that week. You know, I uh, and 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 of course she should have been more of a celebrity than uh, than you anyway. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but the downside was the uh, the ushers, you know, wanted to be really nice to her. You know, she came to the game and got tickets. And, of course, they put her in the first row behind our dugout, which, as any, you know, baseball fan knows, that's that's a, that's a high uh, target area. You got to heads up for foul balls. So uh, that, that wasn't a smart move on their part. And sure enough, as the baseball gods have it, you know, she got she got hit with a line drive for uh, in, in a game, and that 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 made the newspaper the next day. <laughs> I am looking at that story now. It says Stacy, the girlfriend of Binghamton Mets infielder John Mahalik, flew up to Binghamton from Dallas last weekend for a quick two day visit, but she didn't plan on spending half the visit in a hospital ER. Uh, she and it mentions what her job was. <laughs> with the Cowboys, and uh, Texas native Mahalik spent their Saturday in the Lord's Hospital emergency room after she was struck by a line drive foul ball as she signed autographs behind the BMET's dugout. She said, I heard this loud pop, then I realized it was me who was hit. I didn't know what was happening. She said nothing was broken, though the area below her left clavicle turned black and blue within minutes. So what a... What a what a great welcome to the Parlor City, Binghamton, New York, treating uh, a, a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader in a way no one <laughs> ought to be treated. <laughs> That's true. I was surprised she came back to visit a few more times than she did, but that was such an experience. <laughs> oh man, uh, unbelievable! You know, you have some fond memories of Binghamton. I know that uh, uh, that that you have some connections here. Uh, with some wonderful people, John. I do, I do. And, you know, it's funny, uh, when I came to Binghamton, I had a, it was already a special place for me. Uh, my father um, was the Texas region rep for Duran Precision Systems Incorporated, which is based there in Binghamton. So, you know, I always knew about Binghamton. I just didn't know I'd ever end up there. And sure enough, the uh, corporate headquarters were there. He worked there for over 20 years and retired from there. It was great to meet those folks. And I think my jersey might still be up in their office. I'm not really sure. And and so that was kind of neat. And then, of course, you know, Kevin and Tracy O'Hara were the uh, family that I lived with when I was there for two of the three seasons, and they were fantastic people. So, you know, uh, I just fond memories of the, the whole uh, the whole county was terrific. And of course, uh, you you have some uh, some memories about uh, about some special restaurants in town. Yes, absolutely. After games, we'd always go. Uh, uh, to Zops. I'm not sure if Zops is still open down the street and head down to Dorenzo's to the Lit Deli before games. And 
of course, all the local diners, which I'm sure I don't know if they're all still open, but I sure hope so because that was some uh, great places. That's uh, <laughs> great stuff, John. Now, uh, you know, talking about your uh, about your career, and before we actually talk about your career, uh, you know, now you have uh, a couple of sons who are pretty special athletes as well. Yeah, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have had two boys. Um, they're 18 and 20 now. One's playing in college. Uh, he's at a Division One junior college in Oklahoma uh, in his sophomore year, and we're looking to find him a, a four-year school after this. And then I have a senior in high school who's a pitcher, and you know, he's about six four and growing. You know, tall, thin. You know, perfect frame for a pitcher. So I'm excited about his future as well. But uh, you know. Like I said, I got to get them through college first, then we'll worry about the next level after that. <laughs> they're, and, and they're and they're probably better ball players than their old man, huh? <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell them that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could still beat them in arm wrestling, so that's good. Uh, yeah, for another year or two, maybe. <laughs> uh, either that, or they're just being good to you. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, you talk about uh, about pitching, and I. I uh, I, I, I said to uh, I said to Bob before we uh, before we came on uh, about how special you were as a uh, as an infielder. You were a slick fielding infielder, uh, but you also uh, you also did a little pitching here. You know, I did get the opportunity. Uh, I guess in ninety uh, ninety seven, we really and I hope none of my old pitchers are listening. But you know, we didn't have the best pitching staff that year, and so there was a lot of blowout games where. Uh, I got to come in and, and play a mop-up role, and, and it was kind of funny. I don't know if you saw my stat line or not, but uh, <laughs> it worked out. I got pitched three games, three innings, and I think I had four Ks and, you know, actually uh, had some success against some pretty big-name uh, hitters, which, you know, I was pretty uh, proud of. <laughs> you know, and and uh, you also had some interesting, uh, uh, you know, along with your, uh, with your stat line, uh, you know, I, you didn't give up any hits, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't give up any hits. Uh, like I said, I had four strikeouts. It's funny, you know, towards the end of the season, whenever, you know, the pitchers were struggling, I could hear the chants in the stands. They'd say, you know, put Mahalik in the pitch. And <laughs> I was, like, trying to tamp that down because I didn't want to get beat up by the pitchers. They were they outnumbered me. <laughs> it's still amazing, though. It's, it's incredible. By the way, so your uh, years, your time here in Binghamton with the B-Mets was when – Binghamton Mets were still relatively young. They had just started playing in the 1992 season. So, although you weren't here at the the very beginning for the B Mets, you were you were here when there was still such a great excitement in Binghamton that baseball had returned because we had gone without baseball since 1968 when the Triplets last played in Johnson City. And triplets were uh, the farm team for the Yankees, but it. You were fortunate to be here starting in 95 when the stadium still had that new stadium smell and new stadium look. It, it did. It did. And I know the year before they won the Eastern League Championship. And, you know, I think they won it the year, a couple of years before that with under John Tamargo as the manager. And so, yeah, there was a big buzz and the BMS were, you know, such a, it was such, um, you know, good, good, uh, community support around us. And, you know that that was the nice the nice part about it is that you can just you know you can just feel the buzz of the of the city about it. It was nice to be a part of. You know you had um, you had some interesting teammates, and you realize uh, that uh, Matt Raleigh is still in town here in Binghamton. 
Yes, I hear Matt Raleigh's like a local hero now. He's got his indoor, uh, I think he's got an indoor baseball facility there and is a great uh, mentor and coach to a lot of uh, younger kids in the area. And, you know, that's fantastic. We were teammates one year with the Expos before we got to the Mets. And I know we were teammates in 97. And, you know, he was, I mean, he, he hit, I think he hit over 30 home runs one season for us for in the B-Mets. So it's great to see Matt Raleigh still uh, be a part of the community and, and be a part of the area. And you know he's he's doing a lot of a lot of work with uh, with kids here in the area, and uh, uh, he, he really, as you said, he really is uh, very special uh, to the people here in uh, in Binghamton. Yep, and he's, he's very knowledgeable, good, great teammate, and even a better coach. So I'm glad he's still uh, still involved in baseball. That's terrific. What was the most bizarre thing that happened to you during your time in Binghamton? <laughs> Well, I can I can tell you about one bizarre thing, and then I can tell you about some of the some of the side antics uh, after that. But I think the most bizarre thing was, um, I believe, in '96 we were playing the Expos, and uh, their leadoff hitter hit a home run off of us. And of course, he you know like, like those leadoff hitters, you know how they are like Altuve. They watch the ball after they hit it, so that didn't fit too well with our our catcher Pedro Grafol, who is now the manager for the White Sox, actually. And uh, so next time he came up to bat, which was the next inning, and as you can tell, if the leadoff guys hit in the next inning, they must have batted all nine the first inning. <laughs> so it wasn't a good inning altogether. But so they, of course, hit that batter uh, with the first pitch, and a big brawl ensues, and benches clear. And, you know, of course, you know, my luck, I'm in the back of the clubhouse, uh, you know, happened to be in the restroom at the time, which is kind of <laughs> kind of embarrassing. So I didn't get in the melee, but that, that prevented me from getting kicked out of the game. Um, downside was is our starting catcher got kicked out, and our backup catcher, Vance Wilson, came out, and he got kicked out, too, for, you know, fighting. So guess who number three catcher was? <laughs> <laughs> Oh I had to gosh. catch eight and two thirds of an inning of a, of a game, which I've never caught before in my life. So that was the most bizarre thing. <laughs> I had to put the gear on for the entire game, and I don't know if you guys ever caught before, but that's uh, they call it the tools of ignorance for a reason. <laughs> I'm left-handed, John, so I, 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 I when I played, uh, well, <laughs> actually, I should back up. You already know what kind of ball player I was, so um, uh, you know. I, uh, <laughs> well, you need to tell them about your batting practice experience. Yeah, that was that was classic, and and I have either you to thank or you to blame for it. <laughs> um, we were at the old, I was at the oldie station, and it was uh, WIOS night. It was the oldie station uh, uh, night at the ballpark, and the general manager RC Reuterman before the game, uh, asked me to come and do a live remote leading up to the game. So I was there, and I was doing a remote. Uh, John, Bob, uh, John, and, and um, uh, Dwight Maness, were the, um, uh, were, who was an outfielder, uh, they were taking early batting practice. And I was on the field and, and doing my, uh, my remote breaks. And John had the infinite wisdom to have me uh, come in and uh, take some swings in the batting cage. And uh, Howie Freiling uh, was the uh, uh, was the batting practice pitcher. He was the coach. Was that uh, I want to say ninety six or ninety seven? I, I I don't remember which. I think uh, uh, when was uh, when was Freiling 
I think it was 96. It was 96. 96? Um, yep. And uh, uh, you convinced me because I was I was reluctant to uh, to go and stand in. And you and, and Dewey did the... Um, uh, did the play-by-play of me taking batting practice, and I think that, and I and I and I think that my best swings happen to be check swings. That <laughs> that that you uh, uh, that you certainly took advantage of doing play-by-play on the radio live, and unfortunately we don't have that on tape, but uh, or maybe fortunately for me, but. <laughs> But we you were, were uh, we weren't we weren't worried about you breaking into our starting lineup after that round. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it it had to be fun. That's one of the things that I think is so notable about minor league baseball is you can have fun. I mean, obviously the the players as they start are are hoping for big things and hoping that big things can can happen and they get a big break quickly. And the fans are in a position to see some of the biggest names that ultimately will will be playing in the game in the coming decade or a couple of decades. Uh, and it's it's nice because it's affordable. Uh, people enjoy some of the wacky promotions, and and now, of course, with the the team here in Binghamton renamed the Rumble Ponies, and there's still some people. I, I I have to admit, I'm a traditionalist. If it was up to me, I would still go with the B Mets. But I also understand what was going on when when the name change was made when John Hughes owned the team. But it's it's still just the fact that say the Eastern League now you can see the Rumble Ponies play the Flying Squirrels or whatever or or. Oh, the rubber ducks and or what or the yard goats. And it's just, hey, it's fun. It's the type of thing. It's the type of thing that makes uh, small town America really special, even in and 2023. I agree. I agree. I agree. It's, you know, you go to a big league game. It's, it's, it's great to see, but you don't have that same atmosphere and you're not really in touch with the players. And, 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 it, and you know, like you said, in between innings and things like that, it's just. It's just definitely a different atmosphere and a different feel, which I prefer, uh, you know, even better. And, you know, the games, the in-between inning events were always my favorite, that's for sure. And they were mine, too. I got paid for it. <laughs> but you know, uh, you talk about the uh, about the backstories, and and there are so many stories that people really don't know. Uh, you know, really, it actually happened. And I, I got, I remember, uh, you know, playing musical toilets with uh, uh, with fans, and it was always great, especially when they when you played with adults, and the adults actually uh, may have had a beer or two before they came out on the field to uh, uh, to, to walk around uh, uh, the the toilets on the field, but. You know, you when um, uh, and and my first year, I want to say, uh, was when we did the uh, uh, the dizzy bat race, and uh, you have a story or two about that, don't you? <laughs> well, you got to remember us as players. You know, if you're not playing that day or something, I mean, you know, you, you can eat, you can only eat so many sunflower seeds and chew so much gum on in the dugout. So you try to find creative ways to do different things and. You know, that dizzy bat race, which, you know, if you're not, if, if anybody, the listener's not, not familiar with it, you know, they pick a fan out of this crowd. You know, you have to put your forehead on the knob of a bat, 
been around, you know, X number of times, and then you had to sprint to some finish line, which half the time, you know, they're falling over as they're trying to run, which is why the dizzy bat race. But uh, we took it one step further one game, and uh, we one of the players decided to put, uh, you know, the eye black that you put under your eyes, you know, to, to I guess, supposed to reduce the glare, but now it's for show. But we decided to put some of the eye black on the knob of the bat. Uh, we picked a black wooden bat out of the bat rack to use that time, and we put eye black on it. So when the guy spun around <laughs> and got up to sprint, <laughs> he had a big old black spot in his forehead. So that was our entertainment. <laughs> I love it. That cost you, too, didn't it? Yeah, R.C., the GM, was not happy with us. <laughs> they were not happy Ooh, with us. Ooh, R.C. Reutemann? Yeah, I remember him. <laughs> yeah, he was not happy. <laughs> that's that's classic. Now, you, you also, I, I remember you guys uh, had a uh, a kid of the game where uh, the, the the kid got to be a, a bat boy for uh, for a ball game, and yes, there, and, and yes, there is there there is the old joke. Uh, about um, I, I'm going to let you. I, I, I'm just going to I'm just going to leave it at that. The old joke and and, and that the ball players used to do with kids. Uh, I'm going to let you pick it up from there. Absolutely. The, you know they picked a bat boy out of the stand. Bat boy of the game, and they picked a random uh, young young girl or boy out of the stands. And and uh, you know the kid's happy to be down there. He'll do whatever you want to do. And of course, all of us are in on you know this old time joke of. You know, the first inning, we, we sent them to the umpire to go find the key to the batter's box. <laughs> he needs to find the key to the batter's box. So the end of the inning, he runs to the umpire and asks for the key to the batter's box. Well, of course, the umpire's in on it. So he sends the kid down to the other team's bullpen to go ask them when that inning's over. So he's running down there to ask them. So, of course, they send them to another place. And then, so the whole game, the course, bat boy of the game is running around all over the stadium trying to find this uh, notorious key to the batter's box. Now, I remember, <laughs> I, I remember when, uh, uh, when I was in Florida, when I lived in Florida and, and covering the ball, covering baseball, uh, you had actually played in West Palm Beach, right? Yes, I did. I was, I was in West Palm. It was a Yankees Braves game. And th this is actually pretty classic where the Yankees get off the bus and they're already in uniform. They came from Fort Lauderdale and, and they got off the bus. And one of the coaches, and I can't remember who the coach was, gets a, a Braves ball boy and he asks the kid to get the Yankees they they left late for uh, for West Palm and they didn't have a chance to get a bucket of curveballs can uh, can the ball boy go and find uh, a bucket of curveballs that they could use for BP for batting practice <laughs> and the kid just as uh, you know the key to the batter's box uh, He's running all over the place, and I, I want to say uh, Yogi was still the uh, uh, still the manager uh, uh, with the uh, with the Yankees. It was the season before uh, he, he got fired, like a week into the regular season, and he's there, and uh, uh, he goes and he asks somebody, and somebody sends him to somebody else, and then they send him to Yogi. Yogi sends him up to the press box. He goes up to the press box. Of course, he can't find the, uh, uh, you know, he goes out to the bullpens, can't find the key to the batter's box or the bucket of curveballs. 
And, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's, that, it's that ball player humor that a lot of people just never hear about. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Unbelievable. Said good times. This is Bob Joseph along with Dave Hamburg. We're in Binghamton at the WNBF studio. John Mahalik, who played for the B-Mets uh, back in the mid-90s, is joining us from Dallas, Texas. John, so how's your life today? What are you up to? Doing good. Doing well. Um, after baseball, I uh, actually after I left the Mets, I played two years overseas, which was nice before I had to get a real job. And uh, so now things are good. I guess settled down in a suburb of Dallas, which is in Carrollton, Texas, and uh, served on the was elected to the city council for six years. And now I'm on a few boards and uh, run a hospital authority here in Carrollton. So things are things are going well. So anybody coming down from Binghamton want to visit Dallas? Uh, is open invitation. So. Well, now I have a reason to visit Texas. I, <laughs> I I've never been to Texas, but now I feel I know someone who would actually welcome me, even with New York plates. Absolutely. And I got four tickets to the game tomorrow if you can get here quick enough. Oh, I'm tempted. <laughs> tempted, sadly. I have a scheduling conflict, but thank you for the invitation. John Mahalik, this has been a, a real pleasure. I always enjoy talking baseball and certainly have enjoyed uh, our conversation along with Dave Hamburg today. Some of the, the great memories of uh, what was going on in the early days of the Binghamton Mets. Well, thank you so much. It's been fantastic. I wish you and your family the very best. Hope you have a, a very happy Thanksgiving. And for I me too, as well. Thank you. Thank we'll, you so we'll much. We'll talk soon. And Dave, thank you. Thank you. This is, uh, uh, I enjoyed just hearing some, because a few things I sort of remembered and a lot of things I just never heard of. And just thinking back here, with uh, having this team here in Binghamton, and it, it just seems, to me, it seems amazing now that it's been over three decades that we've had this stadium in the heart of downtown Binghamton, and it still looks great. Granted, it's over the years, especially over the last few years, it's taken some additional money, millions of dollars, to do some uh, upgrades, necessary upgrades, but it's still a great facility, and it, I think it's one of the uh, the best available in minor league baseball. It, it clearly is. And, you know, the Eastern League, it's such a quality, uh, a high quality of ball. Uh, you know, you think about, uh, about all of the people that have come through here, whether they were with the Binghamton Mets or the Rumble Ponies, what have you, uh, and the competition that came through here with the, uh, the many Hall of Famers that have played here have gone through here uh it, it's just uh, uh it, it's a great summer it's a great summer to, yep. to, to be here and and to to, to be around the uh, the binghamton baseball team and now i can't wait till april hopefully for the because they're going to start their season at home this for the 2024 season so they're going to get a somewhat early start i believe their first game not sure if it's on a Friday. I almost think it's a, a Friday next April. Let's hope, because I think it's a three-game, just a three-game homestand to start the season. So let's hope that the weather will be at least temperatures in the 50s, if not the 60s, because that, that would be a great way to start the new season. We always had at least one snow around, uh, around opening day. And I remember being in the crowd and 
I would come down with bronchitis once a year. Uh, thanks to because I I was wearing a, I was wearing a, a B Mets jersey or a New York actually uh, it was number thirty it was uh, it was an old Nolan Ryan uh, New York Mets jersey and uh, being out in the cold and that was uh, that was interesting fun times yeah, it was. April baseball in the Northeast Dave Hamburg thank you thank you Bob ten thirty seven you're listening to Binghamton now. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. Six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. This is Binghamton now on WNBF. Downtown voices carry. That's why I use my library voice when I'm out and about downtown. <laughs> it's 1041 at WNBF, WNBF.com. Oh, we'll have a, at least one more surprise bef- between now and noon, I expect. Be my expectation. Let's check, see what's uh, happening here at the Division of Email. Jesse reports. This is the report from Jesse, although it's been a while, so maybe it's changed. The north end of the village of Owego has power. Points north is where the main issues are. So at least we have power. All right. When I say power, power to the people. And also we received an email, and this was... A little over an hour ago from Gary, power near Wilson Hospital came on, it came back on just before nine. So if you're uh, dealing with a power outage, uh, nice, I guess, crews that are working on it as far as how soon all power will be restored, hard to say. Uh, currently, this is no consolation if you don't have power, but uh, currently, in Broome County, NYSEG reports about 3,700 customers without power. And in Tioga County, about 600 customers. And just hopscotching around Broome County to give you a sense of the scope of the outages. In the city of Binghamton, 336 customers. The town of Binghamton, 52. Town of Barker, 169. Town of Shenango, 644. Town of Colesville, 54. Town of Conklin, 190. Town of Dickinson, 441. Village of Endicott, 40. Town of Fenton, 253. Village of Johnson City, 
222, Town of Kirkwood 312, Town of Maine 369, Town of Union 164, the Town of Vestal 383, and the Town of Windsor. Congratulations to the Town of Windsor. If you live on Dodd Road and you don't have power, you're apparently the only one in the town without power. So power is being restored by NYSEG crews. If we get any more guidance from NYSEG, I will pass it on here at News Radio. WNBF 607-772-1290. If you have a few thoughts, whether it's just a um, statement of gratitude or maybe you want to talk about current issues, welcome to chime in on this Wednesday morning. Forty-six WNBF. We mentioned Owego a moment ago. We do have a story from the village of Owego about the construction getting underway at the community center, the neighborhood depot is what it's called. And so, some nonprofit agencies: Racker Catholic Charities, Tioga United Way, Tioga County Rural Ministry will be using the building. It's a 15,000-square-foot facility now being constructed in Owego between North Avenue and Central Avenue. And uh, I stopped by the site to see for myself after we spoke with Bob Brazil of Racker. He was here in the studio one week ago. And so after he talked about it, I thought, oh, I'll go see how that construction is coming along. And so we have some photos of the job site, along with more information about the project, which has been in the works for several years. When Bob Brazil was here, he said they think the new building can be operational by next summer, probably by next June. That's the plan. And then we also, as part of our story at WNBF.com, have helpfully included the interview that we did last week with Bob Brazil from Racker. So if you want more information about that project, which now is uh, estimated to be about an $8.1 million job. And they're still working to raise money for that as well. Some money has already been secured from various sources of government and private funding, but they also are seeking some additional support from the community. Weather forecast is looking rather decent for Thanksgiving around here, in my opinion. Here's the forecast from the National Weather Service. The stormy weather is basically out of here. Cloudy today. There will be a chance of some rain or a few showers today. High 49. Cloudy tonight, a chance of showers. Low 37. Tomorrow starts off cloudy, then gradually becoming mostly sunny, high 48. Then Friday, mostly cloudy, high 39. Right now, 
It's 45, that's 7 Celsius at News Radio, WNBF. 1049. This is Binghamton now, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, WNBF.com. I saw her sitting in the rain Raindrops falling on her She didn't seem to care She sat there and smiled at me Then I knew She could make me happy Flowers in her hair Flowers at WNBF. Coming up later today, the legendary Dan Bongino and the amazing Sean Hannity. They'll be on today. Uh, Well, all right. All right. Their programs will be on. Do I think Bongino and Hannity will actually be doing their programs today? I don't know. I don't know. Tune in and find out. We'll see who has a, a better work ethic Bob Joseph, Dan Bongino, Sean Hannity, or Mark Levin. It's the Work Ethic Olympics here at WNBF. Which talk show host is actually bold enough to work and do a live three-hour program with nothing taped in advance on the day before Thanksgiving? Who on the WNBF schedule would actually do that? Well, obviously, Don Morgan did it this morning. Because he has a work ethic, so Don Morgan showed up, as usual, 6 to 9 this morning for First News Binghamton. Uh, I'm here, three full hours, you know, didn't phone it in, didn't say, hmm, it's the holidays, I should just hang out and not cover anything. No, I thought, hey, you never know, there could be power outages, there could be breaking news, there could be fun to be had. So let's do uh, an actual program, the way Marconi said. Actual programs ought to be done on the radio. So tune in today from noon to 3 for the Dan Bongino Show, 3 to 6 for the Sean Hannity Show, and 6 to 9 for the Mark Levin Show. And take notes, let me know how many of those talk show people actually uh, decided to show up. You'll be glad you did. Oh, speaking, see, if we just did some sort of pre-recorded broadcast for my convenience, I wouldn't be able to tell you that Otsenango Park and Roundtop Picnic Area are now open. So the Broome County Parks and Recreation Department workers were able to clean up storm-related damage. As I mentioned earlier, uh, I was advised that at least at Otsenango in the town of Dickinson, damage such as it was was very limited. Apparently, basically a tree wound up getting split, and so that was handled expeditiously. There may have been one one of the holiday decorations that could have been affected. Anyway, most of the park was not touched as a result of the strong winds. As far as power outages, yes, there still are quite a few outages around the area, but 
NYSEG is working to restore power. If we get more information, specific information about power restoration, we'll let you know. Right here on Binghamton Now on WNBF. Fifty-eight at WNBF. <laughs> oh my gosh! The New York Post. What a what an eclectic mix the New York Post has become. A big story in the uh, New York Post. This shows you the the paper that sometimes is fixated on Hunter Biden, sometimes fixated on other prominent public figures. They have um, a scoop. Gen Z has canceled leggings. Here's what they say to wear instead. (laughs) Leggings. says now they're canceled. Leggings are canceled. Gen Z style gurus have once again ganged up on the rest of the world decreeing those... Um, leggings are outdated. Fortunately, aging fashionistas, our benevolent dictators have something new all picked out that they're sure we're going to love. Yoga pants. Remember, this is the New York Post. This is the pride and joy of Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> all right, well. As they say, must be a slow news day at the New York Post newsroom. <laughs> uh, as they say, news you can't use. New York Post. I wish they'd get back to Hunter Biden. Certainly, New York Post, you have found something else in Hunter's laptop that would intrigue you. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Bob Joseph. This is WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Rain today, cloudy skies, high near 50. Tonight, cloudy with a chance of showers with a low around 36. Thanksgiving Day Thursday, cloudy, then gradually becoming mostly sunny, high near 48. Millions of people are expected to hit airports and highways in record numbers over the Thanksgiving holiday. The busiest days to fly will be today, as well as the Sunday after Thanksgiving. The Transportation Security Administration expected to screen 2.6 million passengers yesterday and 2.7 million passengers today. Sunday will draw the largest crowds with an estimated 2.9 million passengers, which would nearly eclipse a record set on June 30th. Meanwhile, AAA forecasts that 55.4 million Americans will travel at least 50 miles from home, 
with roads likely to be the most clogged today. New York State police are participating in a special traffic enforcement initiative to crack down on unsafe driving behaviors during the Thanksgiving holiday. The special traffic enforcement period runs today through Sunday. The state police will supplement regular patrols statewide, including fixed sobriety checkpoints, which targets distracted drivers by utilizing concealed identity traffic enforcement patrol vehicles to better locate drivers talking or texting on handheld devices. These unmarked vehicles blend in with everyday traffic, but are unmistakable as emergency vehicles once the emergency lighting is activated. If you drive drunk or drugged, Uh, You not only put your life and the lives of others at risk, you could face arrest, jail time, and substantial fines and attorney fees. The average drinking and driving arrest cost up to $10,000. Arrested drunk and drugged drivers face the loss of their driver's license, higher insurance rates, and dozens of unanticipated expenses from attorney's fees, fines, court costs, car towing, and repairs, and lost time at work. Some people who live near a proposed Binghamton cannabis store are raising questions about the planned business that would feature a pickup window. The City Planning Commission is considering a special use permit for the shop planned at 439 Court Street. The building at the site has been vacant since an A&W restaurant closed in February of 2018. AOW Construction of Albany is seeking permission to make renovations to prepare the place for a future cannabis retail outlet. It's not known who would be granted a state license to operate the store on the city's east side. Peter Stewart, a principal at Horace Mann Elementary School on the Binghamton's west side, told members of the planning commission he was not happy at all when he learned of the proposed cannabis business. Stewart said there are already three operating cannabis stores in Broome County. He said a drive through cannabis shop is not right for the east side of Binghamton. He noticed that, noted that the shop would be located within sight of Calvin Coolidge Elementary School. The commission delayed action on the proposed shop until some additional information was provided about how it would operate. A vote on the plan is expected at the commission's December 5th meeting. Work is underway on a Tauga County project that's been under discussion for several years. A 15,000-square-foot community center is being built on a site in the village of Owego between North Avenue and Central Avenue. It's located near a facility that is now home to Tioga County Rural Ministry. The Rural Ministry Agency will use the new neighborhood depot along with Racker, Catholic Charities, and Tioga United Way. Bob Brazil of Racker said the project started as kind of a dream for nonprofits to come together and share services in a centralized location. Brazil said the Owego site is designed to provide village residents with easier access to services. During recent major flooding events in Tioga County, emergency services and supplies were not located close to many of those in need. The new facility will serve as an emergency response center in the future. The complex will include a large conference room that could house up to 150 people if needed. The site will also have showers, a large kitchen, and an industrial-sized emergency generator. The New York State Department of Transportation has launched the Dot Pod. It's a podcast produced by the New York State Department of Transportation that notes it is to share the human story of the department, its people, and the work that is done to help keep New Yorkers safe. 
According to the New York State Department of Transportation website, the podcast will tell firsthand stories of the people who helped design, build, and maintain New York State's transportation network, including building bridges, paving roads, and clearing snow. The podcast also explores how the New York State Department of Transportation crews get it all done. The first episode of the Dot Pod is up on the website, the New York State Department of Transportation website, and also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. From the Gulf this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Shop Toyota, Chevy, BMW, and pre owned at GaltAuto.com. I'm Bob Joseph. Binghamton Now continues on the Wednesday morning before Thanksgiving. 607-772-1290 is the number. Give me a call if you'd like to chat on WNBF. It's getting near dawn. When lights close the tired eyes, I'll soon be with you, my love. Give you my dose of pride. Hopefully the next few days will be nice around here and around the world. Looking forward to, oh, I guess, people having, oh, some peace and tranquility. Now, peace and tranquility would be a good thing at this stage, <laughs> if possible. You know, some people say, well, peace, tranquility, is that feasible? I think it is feasible. I think it is. Peace, tranquility. Mm -mm -mm. November 22nd. November 22nd, 60 years ago, sadly, the President of the United States was assassinated, John Fitzgerald Kennedy. And if you were alive then, even if you were very young, you probably, you probably remember that day. So there's not really a whole lot you can say, except how sad it was. It was, it was sad. Nothing else you could say. At least we have to acknowledge it and say, well, that unfortunately is part of American history. Violence is part of our history. Let's go to the phones now. 1113. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? 
Hello, Bob's Gary from the West Side. I just wanted to comment on the uh, the new marijuana store, the drive-through. Uh, I don't know. I, I I guess I hear the argument is is that it would be like the uh, fourth store in Broome County. I don't think that's excessive. I mean, how many liquor stores are there in Broome County? At least a dozen, I would imagine. Oh, there are a lot. I I don't yeah. know. Maybe maybe some people are more concerned about that specific location. I know the people who live next door who put up with the A&W root beer restaurant for a couple of years mm-hmm. before it closed. They they weren't happy with that. They said they uh, the husband and wife who spoke before the planning commission said there were problems related to that and their house is located separated by um, a wood fence. I think it's a fence that's about eight feet tall and so the drive-through I didn't do the measurements but it looks to me like the drive-through window where in the past people could pick up burgers and in the future people might be able to get their weed uh, looks like the drive-through window might be about 100 feet from the side of their house. I, I mean, it's separated. There is a, a fence. I'm just... That would let, be a pain. Well, let's just it say, yeah, I'm, apart from what they're selling, you know, whether they were selling burgers, burgers, weed, AR-15s, whatever, you know, it's... Cru- and, crucifixes. It, or whatever, right. They right. could be selling Bibles or whatever, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. They could be selling headphones, to keep out the the noise or whatever, but just the fact, and it's this is a it's an well, it's a situation. In fairness, they live in a residential neighborhood that is adjacent to a commercial strip, so there are lots of businesses along Court Street, and therefore lots of people on those side streets whose homes are right next door to commercial businesses. So that in and of itself is not unique in Binghamton. There are probably a lot of people who wish that there weren't commercial enterprises so close to their homes, and unfortunately, nothing you can do about that. As far as, is this the best use for that site? I don't know. I mean, the bottom line is it's been sitting there idle, I think now for more than five and a half years. So unless something's done... It's become an attractive nuisance because since the A&W place closed in 2018, now people occasionally vandalize the place. So I don't know. It, it's yeah. There are specific state regulations. I mean, the state is regulating, some would argue even over-regulating the cannabis industry. So I, I don't think it's going to turn into complete mayhem no i don't think so but another another thing one one thing that um and we actually talked with one of uh, those who spoke out at the meeting who is an elementary school principal now peter stewart is principal of horace mann elementary school which is on the west side but he lives on the east side not too far i mean not really close but not too far from where the beautiful cannabis shop with the drive-through window is to be set up. And one thing he points out, if you look down the street, 
with binoculars. Yeah, with binoculars because it's a it's a long street. It's pretty I mean, far away. It's a long block. Riverside Street is a long street. block. I think it's. 1,250 feet. I can't remember what the distance is. But, yeah, it is it is within eyesight of Calvin Coolidge Elementary School. Now, to be sure, you know, is, is there any likelihood that students at Calvin Coolidge Elementary School are going to stop by the weed hut at, on Court Street to get their weed? No, they, they won't. I don't. I mean, I they won't buy it. Maybe they get some, it from classmates. Well, sure. I mean, the weed that Binghamton school kids are using now is being provided by entrepreneurs, and and they know better. They know that it's illegal to provide weed to people under twenty one, but they don't care because there's a demand for it. You know, kids want well, weed. Kids don't. kids want weed, and. Entrepreneurs want money, so it's a it's a perfect fit. Or they don't care because they know if they get arrested and go to prison, they'll be the first ones to get an opportunity to open a, a legal marijuana. Oh yeah, and, and so, so yeah. maybe maybe secretly right. they they want a conviction, right. so they'll they'll be pushed to the front of the line. I know, crazy, and you know, a lot of people uh, these days they don't trust our government. I, you know, I, I kind of do. You know, I mean. I trust them for certain things. I get Social Security checks. You know, I get that every month. They It comes. What I don't trust is the story with the JFK assassination. You know, it's just, there's just so much controversy and there's so many things that don't add up. And it's been 60 years. Why not release all of the information now? Why not? I mean, come on. If you've got nothing to hide, release all of the information about well, The fact it. is, government yeah. always has something to hide. Even sure. six decades later, even a thousand years from now, the federal government will have something to hide. I don't know what it is, but yeah, there, there are people in high places, whether it's Washington or Albany, or Binghamton, people in high places think they have something to hide. I, I'm not so sure. I think they overthink it. And I, my guess is most of what they're trying to hide would be, in the grand scheme of things, fairly innocuous, but that doesn't mean they don't want to hide it. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Maybe there's a smoking gun, figuratively speaking, in the JFK documents that are still being withheld. I don't know. I mean, I certainly could sit back and use my imagination, but I'm not going to because it's at this point in time, as Hillary would say, what difference does it make? I do agree. What does it matter? Yeah, I do agree. It, it all should have been released well before now. But a secrecy, government may not do everything well, but one thing government at all levels does extremely well is keep secrets. I guess. Have you ever been to Dealey Plaza? No. No, I haven't been yeah. to Texas. Of course, now that I've spoken with John Mahalik and I know somebody or think I know somebody who lives in Texas, now I have a reason to visit Texas someday. Yeah, it's kind of a solemn place. I was actually up in the... Uh depository, whatever they call it. Up on, I don't know how many floors. What is it? Six floors or something? They have it like boxed off where Oswald w was. 
And it was just creepy. I mean, it was just like, oh, you know, this changed like history. Right here, this spot changed history. It was just mm. so strange. You mm. know. Sad. I don't think it was Woody Harrelson's father that did it, though, right? I mean, you know, these are what happens. You get these conspiracy yeah. theories. Who, but who there. knows? The, the problem yeah, right. with all he the secrecy know. is that that means... That just fuels the cottage industry right. and conspiracy theories. Yeah, and as long as the government has uh, a less than stellar record of transparency on virtually everything, that's that's one of the reasons conspiracy theories actually gain some credence among some Americans is, hey, we'd like to trust the government, but we know even, say, in Binghamton, when there are shootings in Binghamton, they don't release the information. So... For things that are shootings or stabbings or robberies in Binghamton that are kept secret. So if even the authorities in the triple cities keep secrets every day, how can we even trust the federal government for something of this magnitude? So appreciate your call. I'm not saying anybody's covering up. I'm just saying government does very, very well at keeping secrets. Nobody denies that. It's Bob Joseph live on your Wednesday morning at 1122. Listening to WNBF in Binghamton now. Eleven twenty-five at WNBF. John in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Hi, Bob. How you doing? Good. Uh uh, there's an article in the press, some bulletin, you know, uh, trying to convince the public uh, that this battery hub, this tech hub, uh, is uh, uh, going to be an unquestioned uh, success. It was written by a neophyte reporter uh, that same day or the day before, uh, two days ago in Australian time, the Australian the Australian newspaper, an Australian newspaper, uh, had another of a scathing article. This one is uh, the best one. It's written by David Ross, I guess. And uh, I have corresponded with him. And the, the title of the article is A Tangled Web of, uh, I think, Failed Companies uh, Behind Magnus's uh, Battery Plant, something like that. And, uh, you know, I up and up asked the BU president, I asked him on video, you know, do you think this thing is a fraud? And he, he didn't respond to any of it. But, uh, you know, it's sad, Bob, because at one time, you know, when our local uh, press wouldn't handle a story, we could count on the uh, Democrat Chronicle or the IB Albany Times Union. But now the people in Broome County, USA, as opposed to the other Broome County, uh, the people in Broome County, USA, now have to get a straight story from the Australian paper or the finance paper down under to get any semblance of uh, good reporting. Well, you know, there used to be a time when the newspaper had a business section, a business editor, and sometimes even a business reporter. Uh, and they became very, very familiar with all the businesses, uh, established businesses and emerging businesses. And they were able to put everything in 
appropriate context, but Gannett doesn't want that now. And it's interesting. Uh, there's a video on YouTube going back to 2017 where Terry Terrence Kane, former IDA board chairman, uh, former Robertson Center employee who went from, really, and I'm serious about this, I'm not joking, he went from cleaning up the bathrooms at Roberson to an appointed city council seat uh, to assistant county executive under Jeff Cram. Then he hit the university pay dirt and, uh, you know, uh, has been chief of staff. But he made a video, YouTube, 2017, about President Stanger uh, taking the university uh, and using it as an economic development tool. And I think this has uh, gone haywire now. Uh, it is, uh, a, uh, in my opinion, and this is my opinion, and I think everybody would say John's entitled to his opinion. In, in my opinion, uh, they are putting projects through uh, that wouldn't – yeah. Oh, i got to go, Bob. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, it's John from Binghamton. Ron from the West Side. Good morning. You're on the air. Hey, Bob. Say, I'd, I'd like to give you uh, a personal recollection of uh, that day 60 years ago today. But you're going to have to be quick because we have uh, a guest uh, about to come on. So give us oh, – I, I don't know well, if we'll be able to do it justice, but – Yeah, yeah. Well – uh, uh, perhaps uh, even uh, maybe I'll call next week and yeah I don't because it's too important to do a truncated version and say oh yeah, yeah summarize what happened on that horrible day on November 22nd 1963 give us all your recollections and uh, what it meant to you then and what it's meant to you in the intervening years and Give give us all that in eight seconds. No, this is not sure, TV. Sure. So, but sure. thank you for your understanding, and I wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, Bob. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I don't want to give people too little time, especially with something as weighty as that. It would not. That uh, would be inappropriate. It's eleven twenty nine. This is Bob Joseph, live and local. I'm the guy with a few questions. You're listening to Binghamton Now on News Radio 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. WNBF.com. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. The It's 1133 at WNBF. This is Binghamton Now, live and local on your Wednesday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. And we welcome to the program Jim Boscoff, the chairman and CEO of Boscoff's based in Reading, Pennsylvania. Good morning, Mr. Boscoff. Well, Bob, good morning to you. It's a pleasure to be with you. 
Well, thanks for joining us. A busy week. I know you and your top-level people have been visiting uh, many stores uh, that are part of the company. But the biggest thing of the week, I think, for you and for the company was the uh, announcement about the future of the downtown Binghamton store. And we're going yeah, to talk not. a bit about that. I, I, I think a lot of people had been waiting to hear some news on this for actually for years. Well, I'm very excited. That was a great day, a very good press conference with very good information uh, that was released. And I'm incredibly grateful to the state, to the county, and to the city uh, for the support that they're giving us. You know, the, the building is a beautiful old building, but it's an old building. And um, it's owned by the city. And um, we're the tenant, they're the landlord. And over the years, and, and the mayor alluded to the fact that, that there was maintenance that was deferred that... Um, uh, understandably, uh, but at some time, at some point, you've got to make it right. And it was getting to the point that we were saying, "How can we stay here if we can't have a, 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 a building that could accommodate our needs?" And he really made it his purpose. And um, Assemblywoman Lepardo um, made a, a really valiant effort uh, to get us to help get us some, get. The, the city some funding that it needed to to invest in the building, and of course we're matching that too. So that was a total of ten million dollars um, that that we put, all put together. Um, we're going to address, and I said in the press conference, it, 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 in a way it's a shame that customers aren't going to get to see much of the work that's being done because so much of it is behind the walls. But we really need to replace and improve the electrical system. We need an, a, a heating a, a HVAC system that provides good cooling and good heating year-round. Um, and, and what they will see, it, it, instead of upgrading or trying to, to fix the existing escalators, we're going to replace all of them with three high-speed elevators right in the center of the store, and that's going to be safer for everybody um, and, 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 and fr frankly, a, a prettier sight to see. Uh, the other thing that we're doing, and I did mention this in the press conference, is we've got a lot of space in that store, and we can consolidate all of the selling space that's currently on four floors, on three floors without giving up a single square footage of selling space, just by moving our stock rooms to the fourth floor. And then it makes it much easier for customers. They, they can shop on three floors instead of four floors. Our offices and our, and our stock rooms can be on the fourth floor. Um, and it's both easier for customers, but it'll be more efficient for us as well. Now, I know a few months ago I saw some work underway. There was a crane on Water Street, and I thought, oh, this is interesting. I believe that was uh, work involving the, the freight elevator at the store. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. There were two things that needed to be addressed. Uh, the boiler that we had was being held together with chewing gum, and it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't going to last the winter. And um, we, ha we had been talking for several months, and, and also the freight elevator had been out of service. And we had been talking for several months, and we knew that this deal was going to happen, and, and everybody involved felt that it would, so that Mayor Krim was willing to say, look, let's go ahead. You need, you need heat during the winter. You need a freight elevator to handle all the freight. Let's go ahead and get this work done and get it started. So we're very grateful uh, to the mayor and his approach to this whole thing. And, but it's everybody. It's, it's the state. It, you know, it's, it's, it's Assemblywoman Lepardo. Um, it's it's the, the county and, and the executive um, um, Garner and uh, and the mayor and his team. Now, at one point, and and actually, I'm looking back on on some of the the coverage we've done here at WNBF over the last several years. In fact, going back to almost exactly 
five years. It was December 4th, 2018, when then-Mayor Rich David told us on, on the program that without state money to help address the issues with this very old historic building, that Boscow's just couldn't stay. So this has been in the works. I mean, the fact that Boscow's representatives, and I don't recall if, if you actually wound up going to Albany with the mayor, but I, I know even when uh, Andrew Cuomo was governor of New York, efforts were already well underway to try to secure some state funding so this building that is not owned by Boscow's but leased by Boscow's so some key elements could be addressed. Yeah, it really it's a, it's a couple of things. We're really dedicated to being there. We have a we have loyal coworkers, we've got loyal customers and we're doing business. Um but it got it had gotten to the point that it was going to be very hard to remain uh, in downtown because the building just couldn't su- couldn't support us. Um, so Mayor David certainly was trying, and I did go to to um, Albany with him. Um, but I really have to give credit to Mayor Cram for making it happen. He, from the day he took office, he made it his business to get to to, to work across the aisle to get everybody involved and um, and make it happen. And I'm very very grateful for his efforts. What about the logistics of some of the enhancements, the upgrades that are are planned? As you mentioned, a lot of it will not necessarily be visible to customers or to the employees. But I I know trying to do upgrades at the same time that you're going to maintain business operations, I suspect that'll be challenging. Will there be times when certain sections of the store or floors have to be uh, closed off to um, help facilitate the, the work that needs to be done? Well, that's a very good question. The, the answer is, yeah, we've done this before. We've got a wonderful crew, a wonderful team of uh, construction people who have done this. When we renovate a store, we may um, do you know the, the little puzzle game where you've got uh, um, white squares and white tiles and red tiles, and, and you've got one empty space, and you have to move them around to put them in sequence? Do you remember that game? Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, it's kind of like that. It, it, it's You move the men's department, or you, you consolidate it into some empty space, and then you work in that space, um, and you do what you have to do. Now, this is a little different in that so much of the work is going to be behind the scenes, and that's not a problem. We will move things around as we have to, but I think that um, and, and if there are times that you're working at night or over the weekend, um, you, you can do that. Uh, but we'll find a way of doing it without inconveniencing. There are companies that close down stores while they're trying to do these things, and it's just not necessary. We'll, we'll be open all of the time, and um, hopefully we won't be having any really serious inconveniences for customers and coworkers. Speaking with Jim Boscov, chairman and CEO of the Boscov's department store chain based in Reading, Pennsylvania, and he's joining us from his office at the company headquarters. Parking continues, of course, to be a concern. It always has been. Uh, you've had the Water Street parking garage that was uh, available for shoppers for most of the time that the downtown store has operated, but of course, that uh, outlived its useful life and was torn down. Now, you wind up with uh, an empty lot next door, and certainly that that continues to prove to be a challenge for for store operations and for shoppers. What is the understanding you have with respect to restoring uh, convenient parking right next door to the Bosco store downtown? 
Well, that's going to happen, and and um, I really do appreciate the, the flexibility that our that our coworkers and customers have shown by using other parking space that's available. There are certain spaces available right on Water Street, and uh, but but it's somewhat limited. And and when I was there the other day, there were people just waiting for somebody to pull out and pull back in. But there's enough parking nearby that um, it, it, it it's not the most convenient thing. And we know that shopping that parking for shopping should be convenient. But I very I salute the people. Who who are willing to be a little flexible and walk a block. Um, I wish that the plan had been to, as bad as the existing garage was, I wish the plan had been not to demolish until the plans to, to construct and everything was in place to get going again. That wasn't done. I think Mayor David was very anxious to show that he could make some progress. Um, and, and in the meantime, Mayor Cram is working hard to see that it is getting done. He's being very straightforward and honest about what's going to be available. So that's going to be a wonderful, clean, well-lit, easily accessible parking garage. But for this, for the next several months, it is going to be uh, a, a struggle. And all I can say is I'm very grateful that people like us enough to put up with some inconvenience. Well, it's, I'm looking at the pictures with the demolition project. Was took several weeks. It was a huge structure and uh, had been in service since 1970. As you pointed out, uh, things, the timeline and, and sort of um, a smooth transition uh, in terms of taking care of the old structure and then getting right away to work on the new structure, that just didn't happen as as many people had really hoped would would have been the case but you know what like all of us and and retailers i think in in general say here's the situation we're going to what can we do we're going to make the best of it and and the alternative would be what what should we do should we fold up uh and and go home we would never do that we've got a store that's vibrant and vital with people and product we're just entering the most the busiest time of the of the year uh, with unbelievable values and uh, and and I have to tell you, goodwill. Um, goodwill means so much. I had an email today from a resident of Binghamton who said, "I went to high school here. I went to college here. I raised my two kids here. I'm so pleased that you showed the faith to to extend your um, your your your." well, in this case, the lease, and stay in downtown Binghamton. And I'm so grateful for that. He He's giving me credit, but frankly, I give credit to the people of Binghamton. Do you think the parking garage will be ready in time for holiday shopping in 2024? Yeah, that's that, yes, it will. All right. I was told by a, a guy who was uh, had been uh, supervising the job. I, I don't remember the specific date, but I think they they were expecting to have that done by September 12th of next year. I don't know if that has changed given you know, some recent developments, but I know that was the target to have the, I, the new I, facility I ready. I didn't hear that as a specific date, but in my conversation with Mayor Cram, he, his expectation was that it would be ready for the holiday season. And that's going to be terrific. In the meantime, we're going to continue to do the very best that we can and rely on the fact that we've got loyal shoppers who don't mind parking a block away and walking if that's what's necessary. So here we are the day before Thanksgiving. I imagine that the people at the Binghamton Boscov store have been very busy getting set for what happens on Friday. You know, it's it's true in Binghamton and in all of our 49 other stores. I, I make it my business to visit as many stores as I can. One one a week for sure, but in the last uh, two weeks, I'd say I'd visited about five stores. Um, and they've done an incredible job. We're talking about stores that are getting uh, a truck a day of, of merchandise. Our inventory is is 
and our selection is better than it's ever been. It's just right for the holiday. Our pricing is, 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 is as low as it's ever been, and we guarantee that. Uh, and we've got coworkers to help. And I think that that's, frankly, I think that's our secret weapon. I think that, it, that I, when I do go into other stores, sometimes it's trouble, I have trouble finding somebody. Um, and at Bosco's, that should never be the case. So I'm looking forward to a very, very busy day on, on Friday. I'm very pleased that we can be closed on Thanksgiving, and I, I don't know if that's a surprise to hear a retailer talk about that, but it always bothered me when somehow we started getting opened on Thanksgiving and then um, all through the night of Black Friday. Thanksgiving is a, day, is a family day. It's a holiday. It's a day that we should be able to sit at the table with our family, enjoy a good meal, sit back, watch a football game or whatever uh, afterwards. So I'm delighted that we're closed on Thanksgiving. I hope that Macy's and Target and Walmart and other retailers will will continue to do that because, frankly, if they open, there's not, there's, you know, we don't have the ability to stay closed because then the business goes someplace else. So I'm hoping that that's a tradition that sticks. It's something, if there's one good thing that came out of COVID, uh, maybe that's it. With the announcement this week of $10 million in planned upgrades and enhancements at the Binghamton store and also the uh, plan for a 10-year lease, in your view, what are the biggest challenges now going forward for the downtown Binghamton store with what's been announced? But still, well, uh, the retail environment continues to change. What are, are some of the biggest challenges you foresee over the next decade in Binghamton? Well, I I, I think we've got a formula that works. I think that, that we've got some immediate problems, and that's getting the parking garage finished. Um, and as I discussed with, with Assemblywoman Lepardo and with the mayor um, the other day, this is phase one. I mean, we are making improvements that absolutely, in the bones of the structure and the infrastructure that absolutely positively had to be made. But we've got a lot of upgrades that still need to be made in the future to give customers in Binghamton a bright, beautiful new Boscovs that is indicative of the kind of other stores that we operate. Uh, so we've got plenty of, of upgrading to do. Um, this is phase one. We've got to get this done and do phase two. In terms of what retailing will and will become, uh, things change all the time, and we have to we have to be willing and 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 and, and able to adapt. Uh, and change. I'll give you an example. When I meet with our coworkers in the, in, on a Friday morning, I'll say, how many of you get a, um, a, a daily newspaper at home? Ten years ago, most people would raise their hand. Today, very, I'm one of the few people who raises his hand. So it means that we've got to find effective ways of getting advertising to other people and we're, to people. And we're doing that. We are doing more uh, digital marketing. We're doing more on more emailing and, and um, social media marketing. And that doesn't mean that it's driving business to our website, which is very robust and very good, but it is driving business into the stores. And and slowly over a period of time, we see that that's a change that we're going to have to make. Uh, there are other things that we're doing, too. We're, we're going to be upgrading and modernizing the, the assortment that we offer in cosmetics. Without giving up anything that we're currently doing, we'll be introducing some additional lines that I think will be attractive to people. And there are other initiatives, I mean, I think that, that, that we're doing to make sure that we remain relevant to people. One thing that occasionally is talked about regarding the downtown Binghamton store on Court Street is the exterior. Because underneath the exterior that's existed now for several decades, there is, and I've seen illustrations, pictures, and, and other illustrations of what it looked like when that building was constructed in the late 1800s. 
it appears to be a remarkable um, bit of architecture. Is there any any serious talk or hope at some point in the future that the original exterior of that store at Court and Water Streets might be seen again? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, yes, there's certainly serious talk about it. I've seen pictures most recently with, with uh, Assemblywoman Lepardo, and this is something that she would really very much like to see happen. And I told her when I, when I met with her the other day, I'm absolutely in favor of that. I have to be realistic and say uh, two things. Number one, I, we've got to make sure that we're providing the interior of the store, in, in the interior of the store, an environment that is um, pleasant, conducive, wonderful. Um, for, for our shoppers, um, the the current facade is okay, but it's not nearly as magnificent as the original building. The second point I would make is, if we take that down, we've got to make sure we've got to we, we we have to do some inspecting first and make sure that we know what we're uncovering, and that it is going to be affordable to replace all the windows or. Um, whatever we, you know, I, I've renovated some homes and sometimes when you take a wall down, you never know what you're going to find. We've got to make sure that when we do that, we're prepared to do the entire job. So I, I it is, it's something I'd be interested in doing. It's going to be a big task. I know that Assemblywoman Lepardo is very anxious to do it. I want to, I'm certainly in her corner if it's doable. Jim Boscoff the chairman and CEO of Boscos, based in Reading, Pennsylvania. Thanks for your time. I hope we'll have an opportunity to chat on occasion over the next several months as the uh, upgrade project in Binghamton moves forward. Well, I'll look forward to that. I'm happy to give you upgrades at any point, uh, updates at any point. In the meantime, I wish you and I wish all your listeners a, a very, very happy Thanksgiving. I wish you and your family and all of the people in the Boscos family the best during the Thanksgiving holiday period. Right. Thanks, Bob. Talk to you again soon. Thank you. It's 1152, live and local. I'm Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF. Eleven fifty-five. Bob Joseph live on WNBF. Dave in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Morning, Bob. Um, I was first trying to call um, in regards to um, the Broom Australia thing, uh, which um, I'm not sure if John knows there is a Broom Australia, and they actually have an international airport, um, which unfortunately you cannot fly from Broom, New York, to Broom, Australia right now. Um, but you can from Ithaca, you can from Syracuse. Uh, but not direct, obviously. <laughs> well, thanks for pointing that out. I'm looking at, at it on the ma- map. They even have Broome Courthouse Markets. I'd like to go to Broome, Australia, and the Broome Historical Museum. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great area. It's in northern Australia, complete opposite side of Sydney, and but north of Perth, at least. And Broome um, Hospital. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> they've got all the, all the Broome things you could want. Oh. I, yeah. But I don't think they have speedies yet. No. But but no. at some point, I'll put that on my bucket list. Definite, definite. Um, and the other thing that I've been wanting to call for the last few days was actually in regard to Boscov's, which thankfully Mr. Boscov was able to call in um, and and give his thanks to the community and, and what their plans are. Um, but he did bring up, you know, the thing that I always harp on, I which I don't understand why we continue to do it, is he wanted... You know, his his wish was the, for the parking to have a plan. Don't demolish till there is a plan, and then go ahead with the plan. But 
I don't know what it is about the parking garages in this area under um, the last couple mm-hmm. of administrations. They demolish and they're like, okay, let's try this. Oh, no, let's try this. Oh, let's try this. Okay, let's finally just do what we need, which is parking. Um, granted, the um, Seven Hollies still is not enough parking, and hopefully the uh, one on Water Street will have enough parking, um, but we do need more spaces in the garages. Um, and that's that. Well, I don't understand why the the parking situation in Binghamton has always been so complicated. It just seems like it's more complicated than it needs to be. Even looking back at the the history from when the the city built the three garages, the one on State Street, Collier Street, and uh, and Water Street. Even then, it just seemed looking at at news stories and and having a vague recollection of, of paying a little bit of attention seems like they've always made parking so difficult and i don't i don't get what's what's so tough about providing municipal parking even in a city the size of binghamton it it seems to me it should be relatively straightforward to get it done come up with a plan and do it it definitely should be glenn falls said no problem in 2015 um utica doesn't have too much of an issue they've had some back and forth and buying an old garage sell, or selling an old city-owned garage to build a new one by the hospital but a thousand spaces right across from their arena connected to the hospital you know and that one is not actually being built um in blocks it's actually being constructed in a traditional way so that's taking a little longer i don't know if it's because the hospital says they, they want it a certain way but um yeah so it, it's it's interesting to 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 think that parking studies said people wanted safe parking garages and they said oh they don't feel safe in the old ones so that's put more street parking no they want safe parking garages near where they need to go um and hopefully the future plans will uh be that you know parking uh, enough parking near where people want to go downtown yeah well i'm i was disappointed that so much time was spent say on the initial holly street project which never came to fruition so that it just seems to me if you try to do too much with something and include residential and retail components to a parking structure i understand where that's nice if if you can get everything including the financing lined up from the start and know they'll go through but hey the way things are in in the real world of binghamton that just can't happen it's too bad, yeah, but it's, it's not going to happen. Just plan for the parking with uh, the idea that you can then build upon that, you know, either next to it or above it in the case of the Water Street one. You know, you plan for what you would like to see, but you do what you need first. Absolutely. High priority. And parking has to be a high priority. That's all the time we have. I hope you have a thanks, happy Thanksgiving. You too. Thank you. And a happy Thanksgiving to all. I've enjoyed our week. Such as it was, not as much time as I would have liked to spend with you. But don't worry, we're not going anywhere. I'm coming back. Enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday. You're listening to WNBF.